0: Welcome back to another episode of Interview You. This is your host, Lewis Shine. And hey, have another special episode today. Um, But before I get into what we're going to talk about today, I want to shout out my partners, uh, Dr. Dish. Uh, First of all, again, shout out to Dr. Dish for their recent partnership with FIBA, um, as well as many other partnerships that they have. you know, um, partner with a lot of different entities lately. Um, just want to shout out them for this, just their advancement and, um, you know, in, um, partnering with different people and getting out there more and, and, and touching lives because I believe that not only with the products that they have, um, are they significant to the basketball space, but they're also significant because of the care behind what they do. They care about people. They care about, um, you know, the individuals that um, are inspired um, behind what they do. So, I mean, you can totally see that um, as they post on social media, some of the things that they're doing Um, It's very amazing. And I'm so honored to be partnered with them Um, and they make great um, machines, great, great products. Um, You know, if you're in the market for a product from them, a shooting machine, you can join, you know, programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Florida countless others even when I coached at the D1 level we had a Dr Dish machine and I would use it with my players so um I know what the product is like um you know I've used it um, I stand behind it um Make sure if you're in the market for a shooting machine, check out Dr. Dish. Um, they've revolutionized the industry. Make sure you visit their website, drdishbasketball.com. That's drdishbasketball.com. And on social media, Dr. Dish B ball. Make sure you check them out, give them a follow, check out some of their recent posts. They have a lot of great content that will not only help yourself or your players or, or your children that play basketball. Um, I believe it'll help you out greatly. And also, um, our other partner, Dr. Doc- um, David Roberts State Farm. That's David Roberts State Farm for your auto home insurance needs, life insurance. Make sure that if you're in the Ohio area, um, please visit agentdavidroberts.com. That's agentdavidroberts.com. Or you can reach them by calling 419 420 7700. That's 419 420 7700. Well, hey everybody! We have another special guest on the show today. Um, someone that you know for years. I've I've followed, and um, whether it's his coaching time and um, even the time he played. Of course, I was a I was a little boy, but um, followed him through the coaching ranks. And um, now we have here today a new author um, with a great book coming out won't give all the details away, but without further ado, we'd like to welcome to the show Coach Matt Daugherty. How you doing, Coach?
1: I'm doing fine, Lewis. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, no problem. My pleasure to have you. Uh, man, we got a lot of things we want to talk about, especially your, your new book that's guaranteed to be released. But before we get into all the details, we want to take this thing way back to when basketball first touched your life as a little boy. When did basketball first get introduced
1: into your life yeah wow um i, I fourth grade i believe uh, that's the first time i recall playing organized basketball uh in cyo um when i was uh uh at st rayfield's grammar school on long Island, and my dad signed me up for basketball camp that summer and uh the love affair started
0: that's amazing man and when you say Long Island that kind of triggers to me uh, my college teammate was Wally Zerbiak and uh that's when I first heard of Long Island you know (laughs) so uh that takes me back there now as you progressed up in the years um where for you did basketball become that thing where you felt like it was a game that you could do something with where you first sniffed like your talent or that you were good enough to take this thing to the college level where did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, um, wow. Uh, I was blessed, Lewis, to grow up in an environment where there were a lot of really good players and good coaches. And I got to test myself against, you know, some of the best players, uh, in in, in the country, quite frankly, at an early age. Uh, at this park near my house, and I reference it in the book, um, some of the The best college players and professional players would play there. Players, even Dr. J would play there. Um, We'd have Kevin Joyce, who played in the NBA and on the 72 Olympic team, Uh, local college players that were playing at places like South Carolina, Tennessee, St. John's, Hofstra. And when I was in eighth grade, I was trying to compete with these guys. And so my goal was to play at the collegiate level and and obviously be a good high school player so you know by the time I was in eighth or ninth grade I felt like I could play and you know be a good high school player and play have a chance to play in college and then it was just okay what level would I have an opportunity to play at
0: right and so you know you you kind of found that out and of course uh, this is a question I kind of love to uh, ask you know going through your years of basketball in high school where did that kind of recruiting process start for you? And then what made you choose North Carolina as your destination?
1: Well, my high school coach was Bob McKillop, and Bob is now the head coach at Davidson. And so my first two years, we had good teams, and Bob had good teams before I got there. I, I played varsity as a freshman and was the first freshman to do that at that high school. So as a freshman, I remember my first letter coming from the University of Tennessee in ninth grade. So um, that stood out. And, and then, um, you know, I played a lot as a freshman. I started as a sophomore. And, and again, we had good players on my team, guys that went off to the University of Florida. Um, and, and so, You know, I felt confident that I'd play in college. It just was, okay, what level? And then by the time I got to be a junior, uh, I was being recruited by a lot of good schools. In the summer after my junior year, I kind of narrowed it down to North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, I knew what I wasn't, Lewis. I, I knew I wasn't a great athlete, and I think that's important for young people or for anybody in business to know what you're good at, know what you're not good at. And, and instead of spending so much time on trying to improve my jumping ability and quickness, you know, I wanted to focus on, okay, yeah, I, sure. I want to dunk. I want to jump higher, but you know, put that time into ball handling, shooting, getting stronger. um, That made more sense, but I knew coach Smith would appreciate the things I could do maybe more than the other high profile programs and also wanted the chance to win. And North Carolina was in the top 10 every year.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing, man. And an amazing thing about a Carolina, man, I it, it's something about Carolina because I can remember as, as a, as a college, I mean, high school athlete myself, man, we're just wearing this. Uh, I don't know if they refer to it as baby blue on campus, but that's what we knew it was, you know, Around the country, we were our baby blue. We had our Carolina jackets, our hats. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. And and so, you know, with you arriving at, at Carolina, I mean, how did it feel to to be on campus, to to be amongst the guys, um, to kind of get going in basketball at the school of your choice?
1: Well, it, it was um, it was exciting and humbling at the same time um, because. <laughs> You know, I mean, just think, like, first of all, Chapel Hill is a beautiful campus. Like, when you think of a college town and a college campus, you think of Chapel Hill. Uh, Beautiful weather, pretty trees, old buildings, you know, people walking on campus, um, you know, the whole deal. But then you get on the court, and I remember I got down there the summer before my freshman year because I wanted to try to get acclimated, and I'm all these pros come back, right? So mm-hmm. my first shot in Carmichael, which is where they used to play, was an air ball. And, and I remember playing against these guys and I started to wonder, could I play? Because I'm playing against all these NBA guys that come back and, and good NBA players. You know, some of them are all pros. And, you know, it just started to make you wonder. And then, you know, it's so important in life to have mentors and people that will take you under their wing and help you grow and give you confidence. And uh, John Custer was one of those for me, John uh, was playing in the NBA at the time and then went on to be a college and pro coach. And we worked, you know, we worked out, we wor- worked on my game, worked on my shooting and he gave me confidence. He said, Hey, it's going to be hard. You're a freshman. you know, you're playing against pros. And that helped me a great deal get adjusted. And I ended up being uh, the sixth man as a freshman.
0: Amazing stuff. And, I mean, you were you were right in the fire. I mean, you guys went to national championship, 81, <laughs> of course, right. the 82 championship team. But I mean, it wasn't like a, uh, it seems like almost a, a quick baptism into high level, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was, but. You know, I was blessed to play for great coaches growing up. Bob McKillop, Dick Seidler, um, and other high school coaches on Long Island at camps and travel teams. You know, we didn't have the AAU circuit like they did now. Uh, but in some ways, I think it better prepared me because in the summers, you'd play against older guys. And, yeah. and you would play in the park and learn how to compete. And... Games were organized by the players, not by adults. And you still went to the camps and learned your fundamentals. And the intensity of the Catholic League on Long Island uh, prepared me for the intensity of the ACC.
0: Yeah, good stuff right there, too. And um, that, I mean, it's good preparation for, for where you were going. And, you know, of course, at, at Carolina, a lot of memories um, playing with, you know, a lot of great players, of course, great coaching, Coach Smith um maybe a hard question for you but can you give me one or two just memories during that time that kind of stood out for you as a player that you can kind of look back on that kind of stick out for you
1: well man there's so many Uh, i think first and foremost is the talent we had on the team with uh you know everyone talks about michael jordan but you know james worthy was the man and and you know there are a lot of not a lot of guys but there are players that are built like Michael and, and kind of try to play like Michael, you know, they don't do it, you know, but Kobe Bryant and, um, you know, whether it be Clyde Drexler or, you know, players are his size and James Worthy was so unique because it's six, nine, his speed, quickness, um, athleticism and ability, uh, was really unique. And, um, you know, just to be on the court with him uh, and Michael and Sam Perkins to be surrounded with that talent was really a blessing. Um, so, yeah, those, those are some of the stories that the kind of things that pop out, you know, um, being, <laughs> uh, I remember the first game, one of the, one of the first games we we're playing at Clemson and they had Larry Nance. Now you're from Ohio. So you, you know, of, his son, and you may remember the dunk champion, Larry Nance's dad. Well, yeah. Larry was 6'10", and and a great athlete and a great player. And in high school, you know, and you probably remember this, Lewis, you could do a lot of things and get away with them. And in high school, you know, I could drive baseline and leave my feet and, and try to create and do an up and under. And, well, I remember going baseline against Clemson, and I left my feet, and I saw Larry Nance, you know, getting ready to – to knock my my shot into the 10th row which which he did and so you have to adjust quickly if you want to play and I learned that you couldn't get away with things in the ACC that you could in the Catholic League on Long Island
0: (laughs) right yeah that that's that's funny man that's a great story right there and uh you know, definitely, definitely respectable. I mean, you know, we know what those guys did, and I mean, it's not that they, um, you know, woke up differently from you or anything like that. But you know, the ACC is a kind no, of no, a different no, they, monster. They, even- they did
1: wake up differently than me. I mean, Larry, was dead, <laughs> you know, with probably size seventeen. <laughs> the other story I remember as a freshman, we're playing at Maryland, and um, you know, again, this is. You know, this is in the early 80s, and they had uh, one of the best players in the country, Albert King, and we had a guy named Al Wood, and Al Wood's shoulder, he had a bad shoulder, it would pop out. So Al was the starting small forward, and I was the guy that came off the bench for him, and Al's shoulder popped out. And so I go in the game, <laughs> I go in the game at Maryland, and I've got to guard Albert freaking King. Now, Albert no. was on the front cover of Sports Illustrated like like at 16 years old or something. I mean, and, and, and he's from Brooklyn. So I grew up idolizing Albert King. Never saw him in person, but, you know, I'm like in awe. And I've got to go out and guard Albert King. And Albert probably sees me come in for, for Al Wood and just, you know, I mean... Mm-hmm he just started to dance on me and score and, and magically Al Wood's shoulder got better real quick. And uh, oh, thank man. God, because, uh, you know, we won the game, uh, but uh, yeah, Albert King, um, Ralph Sampson, Larry Man, Vance, Buck Williams. I mean, you know, the talent in that league was scary.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and, I love I love listening to you talk to talk about those names because I, I I grew up. My dad was a fan, so I knew about big game, James. I, I knew about he filled in the gaps for all the stories that I didn't know because I was young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I know exactly when you're talking about these names, I can, can I can relate. Yeah, so it, good. It's, it's some great basketball that I think that that basketball in the 80s was college and pro. It was just a different different place. Yep. You know, Um. So as you, uh, you know, transition from Carolina, um, you know, why you were playing was playing at the next level, something you just kind of had on your mind, or did you have coaching as something that you wanted to do one day? Like where was your mindset concerning basketball after college? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I wanted to play. Uh, I, 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 you know, like every kid, man, I mean, I dreamed of playing pro ball. Uh, Grew up a Knicks fan. I grew up a New York net fan uh, when they were in their ABA. uh, And I loved, I loved the Celtics until James got to LA. And then I jumped on the the, the LA bandwagon. Um, (laughs) But I, I, I dreamed of playing in the NBA. That was my ultimate dream. And when I got drafted in the sixth round. Um, I knew the writing was on the wall that I probably wasn't gonna make it. I tried out with the Cleveland Cavaliers and got cut. And that was a very emotional time for me, Lewis, because I equate it to a love affair you have with somebody for 12 years, 14 years, whatever the time frame was. And then that person telling you that they don't wanna be with you anymore. And that's the way I took it because it was so personal. I had a love affair with basketball. You know, we traveled together. We laughed together. We cried together. We celebrated together. Um, We grew together. And then she broke up with me. So that's when I went to work on Wall Street.
0: Gotcha. And so now, you know, work on Wall Street, you know, you had a a gap there from, the love affair with basketball, when, when did you revisit that relationship with basketball now? Cause you know, you're going into coaching next, you know, why, why go back that direction and, and how did it happen for you?
1: Well, uh, basketball is very seductive, right? It, it's my, <laughs> right. It, it's my drug. It's my drug. And, and, and it's really at that time was my identity. And I think that's a hard thing for, players to deal with is what is their identity once they get separated from their sport. Um, and for me, um, you know, that was I, all I wanted to be was a basketball player. And then all of a sudden I was told I can't be, and I didn't want to just hang on to it because I've, I've seen a lot of people do that, but I started doing some, um, Radio at St. Francis College in Brooklyn when I was coaching, and I liked that. And so, the closer I got to the game, the more I wanted to get closer to it. And then I quit my job, moved to Charlotte, and was doing radio at Davidson. And I started coaching. A guy I worked for had an AAU team, and I coached his AAU team, uh, the Charlotte Sonics. You know, if you were on the AAU circuit, you may have remembered that team. So I coached the Charlotte Sonics. And once I started coaching, I was I was bitten by the bug. I was like, whoa, hmm. man, you know, you can make a living doing this? I'm like, I'm in. And it wasn't work. Hmm. You know, it was my passion. So it was the next best thing uh, from playing was to coach.
0: Yeah, that, and that's, that's kind of how it was for me, man. It's, tar- it's hard to step away sometimes. But the next best thing to be able to be on that court on the other side of it, I mean, when you can't play anymore, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing just to be around the game like that. And so, you know, you were at Davidson as an assistant, Kansas as an assistant, first head spot, Notre Dame. What was that transition like to, to go from being in the door, but now, now you are at the top of the program um, facilitating everything?
1: Well, um, exciting, uh, nerve-wracking you know, a little suffocating at first. Uh, it was, it was, you know, uh, there's a saying I use in a leadership practice. I, I do a uh, work with a John Maxwell. I've done work with John Maxwell's leadership group before. And they talk about you grow at the end of your comfort zone. So I definitely got out of my comfort zone, but that's where you grow. And I, you know, grew into the position and uh but yeah it was it was it was a lot you mean all of a sudden you're managing things you're making the decisions not making the suggestions and it all falls on your shoulders so there's a definitely a different sense and and a visceral feeling you get when you become the head coach
0: yeah and um you know of course in this interview, we're 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 going through a lot of we're skipping a whole lot of real meaty details, but I definitely want to get to the book because we want to talk about that a little bit. But as you transition, and now a door opens at your alma mater. Right. Let's talk about the joy you felt in, in that opportunity opening, you going back to where you had those blessed, sweat, and tears as a player.
1: Well, at first I didn't, you know, at, at first I was thinking, okay, you know, Roy Williams is gonna take the job, and maybe Kansas will call me since I was there as an assistant for seven years. But then Coach William, Coach Smith let me know that, you know, it's not a done deal with with Coach Williams, that I was on the short list. And I kind of laughed and said, well, that's a no-brainer. And uh, then two weeks later, I was sitting in his office and we were discussing if I could take the job because Coach Williams wow. had turned it down. So I remember flying home with my wife and saying, you know – Uh, I could be the head coach at North Carolina or the head coach at Notre Dame. And with that comes a burden. You know, sometimes when you have great options, it's a burden. It's a lot easier when you only have one choice or one option, but when you have great options, it is a burden. And I wrestled with that for a few days. And then finally came to the conclusion after Michael Jordan called me, um, and, and said that Coach Smith might go, you know, outside the family if I don't take the job, and that was the button that needed to be pushed.
0: Wow! And you speak of family. It's, I mean, I think people all over know of the the lineage and the the just the family atmosphere that Carolina carries. I mean, you see it all throughout the league. Um, I mean, I, I see it, of course, on social media and during the tournaments where guys from the league, current guys, you know, there's just a brotherhood, there's a family there, and I love to see that. Yeah, you know?
1: and it's real, um, you know, uh, uh, Lewis, it's real. It's not uh, fake.
0: Yeah, it's really good to have that. Um, and honestly, what what makes Carolina my favorite all-time college team because I see that kind of stuff, it, it rubs off to the fans as well, you know. And um, so give me a maybe a uh, – I know AP coach of the year there, regular season – um, championships or whatnot, but give me, you know, of course, great players, um, staffs or whatnot. Uh, give me a, a memory or two that 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 sticks out in your mind, um, you know, as you look back on your Carolina coaching years.
1: Well, there's certainly some highs and certainly lows. I think some of the highs. My first year, we won 18 games in a row. We beat Duke at Duke, and we were, uh, oh yeah. we were ACC regular season champs, uh, tied for f- tied with that and we got the first seed in the tournament uh the acc tournament so that was big um and then um uh, my second year we're 8 and 20 you know it's the worst record in carolina history i knew we were going to be bad when i took the job you just know what's in the pipeline and you take it uh and and that was part of the rebuilding process that that uh was was hard but i knew that it we were going to have to get through that. And then, you know, we rebuilt it and, you know, we had some great wins early on. We beat Kansas in, in the garden and playing in the garden Madison square gardens big for me being from New York. Uh, We beat Stanford the two nights later to win the preseason NIT. So those were some, some highlights. Um, We beat Duke at home um, that year, shorthanded. Uh, so there were some great moments, but then obviously losing my job uh, was, you know, just a, an emotionally scarring moment, Lewis, that, uh, you know, I'll never forget.
0: Yeah. And, you know, of course we do have those lows, but, you know, I, I'm definitely grateful, you know, as a guy looking on the outside, you know, being able to see those highs that to be honest, I know brought you joy, players joy, but it did bring fans joy. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a way that, and you know this um, as a basketball fan for life yourself. When you, when you're, when you're, when you hold on to an organization or, or 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 college that you are a fan of, it's almost like um, I'll tell you this. Me and my dad, we're we're big Laker fans, uh-huh. and so I, I I always say to my dad, like, we're about to have our GM meeting because we're we're talking just as if we're making decisions. Right. You know? That's how that's how passionate we are. You know. So. You know, I'm I'm grateful for the memories and the the years that you had there because it meant a lot to us as well. So, um, you know, you went from there. You know, you had a couple other stints there, um, you know, with um, um, FAU for Atlantic. And then, you know, you finished off at SMU. You know, maybe talk about just the joy of being at those places, still continuing even though it wasn't Carolina, but still being in your craft in basketball. Yeah,
1: Louis, you do a good job of asking insightful questions. uh, you know, I think the thing that hit me, you know, um, and I think this is what people coaches should ask themselves. Why do you coach, you know, uh, in, in our leadership practice, we ask a lot about your why, what is your, why, why do you do what you do? And if you love to coach, it doesn't matter if it's in front of 20,000 people in the Smith Center on national TV. Or it's in front of 500 people at a small gym in Boca Raton, Florida. And, you know, it's not on TV. Um, And I remember uh, my staff, including Rex Walters, Mike Bellato, Malcolm Farmer. I mean, really good guys, smart guys that are, you know, one is the head coach at Arkansas State right now. One is Stan Van Gundy's assistant at New Orleans. And one is the president of the... Texas legends. So I had a really good staff and I remember our first exhibition game. Um, we, we, we had a play somewhere else in Palm beach because of uh, a hurricane. And there was about maybe a hundred or 200 people in the gym. And I remember going out for warmups and then coming back and I'm thinking, wow, this is weird. And I asked my staff, I said, do you care that there's only a hundred people out there? And they're like, Nope, I don't care. And I like, you know what? I don't care either. It feels the same as it felt getting ready for the Duke game. It's just that less mm-hmm. people were watching. And that is when, you know, you're doing something you love to do because you don't care if people are watching or not, you would still do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That almost like uh, reminds me too when I've had coaches that says, "You know, what's your what's your why behind the what?"
1: Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, some you know if it, you're coaching to make money, or you're coaching for the glory and the fame and the ego, uh-uh, you shouldn't be doing it.
0: Yeah, it, it. I mean, it defines you, and I think honestly, you know, for those of us who have, you know, played the game, coached the game. It's easy to see and, you know, it's easy to see in amongst players. Um, it's even easier to talk about because you've walked that road. And so, um, you know, it's amazing that you had a, a cast of coaches that didn't care about that. Um, and I know as a leader for you, it made it even easier to do what you do because you had people that were on the same accord. As yep, you.
1: Exactly right.
0: You know, so amazing stuff. man. you know, in terms of, you know, after coaching, of course, you know, scout with the Pacers, you know, ESPN, Atlantic 10, associate commissioner. Um, You know, I want to get, you know, on to what kind of what we're talking about today because I really want to get into the meat of your book. What made you, you know, after all of your basketball experience, of course, still experiencing basketball to this day, but, you know, after you're playing, you're coaching, being around the game, um, broadcasting type of things. Where did I'm going to write a book enter your
1: mind? Well, after I lost my job, um, you know, some people say you should write a book, and I didn't want to write a tell-all book. I didn't want to write a book from a bitter state of mind. But I started putting some notes down just in case I would write a book. I'd I'd want to have it some dates documented, some events documented. And it was also therapeutic to put things in writing. And then, you know, I'd add to it, and then I'd you know, get busy with whatever I was doing job-wise. And then uh, when I got into this leadership space uh, about a year, a little over a year ago, I I'd give corporate talks and I'd have people say, hey, do you have a book to leave behind? Or do you have a book you wanna sell? And I didn't, and they suggested that I do it. So I thought more about it and talked to a couple of friends, and they encouraged me to do it. And uh, so here we are. It took about uh, six months to get it, you know, done. Uh, a lot of work, but uh, and it's a lot of a, a lot of emotional energy. Looking back on some past events that were were negative. Um, to rehash that was, was challenging, but it was very therapeutic. And now that I wrote it, I feel really good about it. And that if it can help one person become a better leader, Lewis, then, then I consider it a success.
0: And let me, I got to ask this as well. Um, now I, I haven't written a book of this kind of magnitude. I've done a little ebook, you know, a few pages. Right. How hard for you? now well, I'll say this when I, and this, my book was only 26 pages. It was very hard to get the emotions, the the thoughts and really put all of that because you're talking years of experience for you. How were you able to funnel everything that you wanted to out of all your experiences and then put it into a project that it probably could have been several books, but you have it in one book. How, how, how was that process for you? Yeah,
1: it's hard. And, and, and you know, the, it's hard enough to do it once, but you've got to look over it several times and that's hard. And I'm still in the process of doing the audio book, which, you know, is, is probably the hardest part, which sounds ridiculous, but it's hard to sit there and read your own book for, you know, read it out loud and you're reading it for the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth time. And so, uh, and sometimes when you read it out loud, uh, it sounds different than when you're reading it, uh, you know, to yourself. So um, it, it just doesn't maybe always flow like you want. Um, and then you start to question, why did I put that word in that paragraph so many times? Um, yeah, that's why you need help. It's like, you know, it's like any team you've been on, you need help. And, you know, I needed to pass the ball to other people. I had a publisher. I have a, person who handles my pr and i had an editor so i've had a good team
0: yeah and that's really important there and and so the title rebound from pain to passion talk a little bit about your thoughts behind um you know the name that you named the subtitle um and then let's dive into it a little bit about you know the essence that you want you know the readers to get out
1: um well i wanted the book to have a double meaning i wanted the book to have a, a, a meaning for basketball, that related to basketball, and obviously rebound does. And I wanted to have a, a, a meaning towards rebounding from adversity and, and setbacks and failure. And uh, and then I talked about pain to passion. My pain of losing my job put me on a journey uh, of passion for leadership. And that's what that's all about. That you can rebound from adversity and. Learn from it and grow from it, and and I wanted to share my journey and the leadership lessons I learned with the reader.
0: Gotcha. And so, you know, one of the things I kind of noticed you have your, um, you have on the um, cover here, leadership lessons learned, and um, I know like sometimes the best leaders they've been through some things, and but now from what I can glean from this is. You're speaking to different people at different types of levels that anybody could pick this book up, no matter where they are, and kind of take something from it to to help them at where they are in life, whether they're uh, an athlete, whether they're a coach, whether they're just a common person. Talk to that a little bit about how the the reader, no matter where they find themselves, can, can, can maybe take away from some of your life's lessons that you've been through um and add them to their life to help them to get through where they're yeah
1: thank you um that's exactly right uh we all first of all leadership is a learned behavior and so many times you'd hear oh he's a born leader she's a born leader yeah there's some people that are born on third base in terms of leadership but there's still things you continually have to learn and develop leadership is a skill like playing golf or basketball if you don't pick up a ball for a month, you can't expect to go out there and perform at your highest level. You're going to miss shots. You're going to dribble the ball off your foot. You're going to be out of shape. Um, you're not going to react in a timely manner. Same thing with leadership. Uh, and and there's no finish line to leadership, Lewis. I mean, you've never arrived. Just like in golf, if you think you've arrived, your next tee box, you're going to hit one out of bounds. So, right. so you've got to continually focus on improving uh, your leadership skills. And I think that's a a big part of it. The, The other thing is just because you're not a CEO or not a head coach, you know, if you're a parent, you lead your household. If you're the oldest sibling, you lead your younger brothers and sisters. If you go to church, you might lead a committee in church. You might lead a neighborhood community. Uh, And if you don't, you might, you know, you might not now, but now this might give you the confidence to say, you know what? Yeah. I need to organize this church group, or I need to organize a a, a fundraising group to raise money for the poor people in our community.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of goes across the spectrum and and that's, that's kind of what I like about, you know, just even talking about it and hearing what you're saying. Um, I'm definitely excited to, to to read it. And what does it mean for you? Well, let me ask this question first. What what did it mean for you to <clears throat> you're you're working on this project? You know, you're you're putting meaning behind it. You know, um, even the meaning that you just you know explained to me that you're hoping that others may get out of it. And you write your final word, and you've you've gotten it back, and it's your final draft, and you've gotten your final revision. What did that mean to you? You're done now and you're ready to get this out so that it can potentially change the lives of other well, people. Well,
1: it's scary because you, you know, you're like, okay, what did I miss, right? Uh, who did I forget yeah. to include? Um, I hope it's well received, you know, um, because you want other perspectives and it's so easy to miss things. And I've even, when I read through it for the audio version, you know, I realized I'm I messed up a couple of areas. Uh, nothing major, nothing that people might even notice, but I noticed it. So, um, the real thrill came when the box of books came to my house, and wow. I got to see it. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I, it's a, you know, it's an accomplishment. I've accomplished something, uh, even if no one buys the book. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, however, we've had. Uh, up to 2,000 pre-orders on Amazon, and we had to do a second print, so it's gone very well. It's been very well received, and um, they should ship ship out from Amazon uh, March um, first week of March.
0: That's amazing, right there. It is great. You know, and that's a, such a blessing already that you know it's being received well, and people are um, reaching out for it, man, and, and putting their their pre-orders in. That's amazing, and um. Another question I want to ask you as well is, how does it feel to just, you know, of course you have reached out to your your friends, your teammates, uh, Michael, um, you know, you have Jay Billis from ESPN, just for them to to co-sign and and, and kind of partner with you in um, endorsing a project of this magnitude. You know, what does that mean? It
1: you? was very fulfilling. It was very gratifying to have. Michael Jordan quickly respond and say, yeah, I'll do the forward. And then to receive it from him, uh, to get endorsements from Roy Williams, Jay Billis, Kenny Smith, Brad Doherty, Sam Perkins, Charles Barkley, Jim Nance, Dick Vitale, Franth Schella, former players. Um, you know, that, that is really makes your heart feel good. Um, You know, that you're doing something good, that you've impacted some lives that people people like and respect you. Um, And and sometimes you go through life, especially when you lose your job, you wonder, you know, you wonder. And so uh, it's been really rewarding experience for me to write this book.
0: It's great stuff. Great stuff. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, I've asked some questions that I. I felt like I, I definitely wanted our our listeners to hear concerning this project, your book Rebound, um, but wanted you to share anything else that I may have missed um, that you want our listeners to know about your your um, this project, uh, Rebound, your book, and then um, if you would just go into where they can take advantage of pre ordering this. Book
1: sure, well. sure. Thank you. Um, well, I think one thing that you know maybe I didn't expand enough on. When people see coaches get fired, um, there's so much that goes on below the surface that they don't see. The collateral damage, the impact on their wives and their children, their friendships, um, the assistant coaches and their wives and children and their friendships. Uh, It is really You know, it's a lot, man, that goes into it. You think of these coaches that get fired and move around and their wives. And um, so really, I'm grateful to my wife and my children uh, that have been by my side during this uh, roller coaster called college coaching. You know, there were some high highs, but some low lows. And it's hard. Um, The book, they can go to my website, which will give you good insight. A lot of cool pictures and to see the endorsements of uh, people like Charles Barkley and um, um, Dick Vitale. The website is rebound-book.com, and you can order the book through there, uh, either on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, If somebody wants an autographed copy, they can email coachmattdoherty at gmail.com
0: sounds good this is great stuff you know of course i love scrolling through the the website seeing different pictures and and things like that and also um if you would um as we turn this corner and end things off here um just talk about some other things i know you do speaking um different events and things like that if there's any of that that you might want to mention that our our listeners could uh you know take advantage of or reach out thank you You.
1: the the my my business website is coachmattdaugherty.com um, and okay. so I do corporate talks. I do executive coaching. Um, I've done a lot of zoom talks to corporations um, and I have an executive um, practice with Vistage and Vistage is the oldest and largest executive coaching organization in the world. And so I, I work with Charlotte area uh, small to mid-sized business owners and uh, work on leadership and growing, growing leaders in the community in, in the areas of business, because uh, I think leadership is the most important topic, first of all, and it's the least taught. You know, we go through school mm. learning about math and history, science and foreign language, but we don't learn about leadership and everything rises and falls on leadership.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sounds like a, a quote that uh, I always hear my pastor talk yep. about, you know, that, that everything rises, falls, leadership. And you're absolutely right, you know. And so, um, definitely, I'm glad you left that information um, because it's, it's great to be able to get people, you know, to your organizations, to your, you know, to speak to your staff, yep. you know, corporate events that, you know, have some wisdom and different things like that. And I know that definitely with what you have to share, you know, they love to. To, to benefit from that, um, with, for themselves and their employees or whatnot, whatever sector of life they're in. So, uh, man, thank you so much. Now this has been an amazing interview, really loved hearing about the different stories, but even more excited, you know, for your project coach, you know, with rebound, um, you know, I know that our listeners will take advantage of it and definitely visit your website. Um, great website put together really well. So, you know, I can't say enough for just being able to you know have you on. It's an honor, And before I let you go, you know, with our listeners, um, of course you dropped a lot of nuggets today with different experiences and different things you've been through, or whatnot, but what's something that you may have, um, lived by, whether it's a a quote scripture or just something that even when you got in hard times, um, you kind of reverted back to as something that kind of helped you get through. Um, you know, if you could share something that, that may pop in your
1: mind, um I'm a Christian, and I think that uh, God doesn't promise us a smooth path. Imagine, you know, he actually promises us some uh, bumps in the road, and I think that brings us closer to him. Um, And, uh, you know, we question why often, um, and that's where we have to have faith, and we'll get that question answered on the other side. You know, if if we earn our, you know, if we are Christians, we'll be in heaven and we'll be able to ask that question. You know, God, why did you, you know, and he'll say, well, I needed other people to learn from through you. You know, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping. And uh, but you don't know. And that's why it's called faith.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. Coach, and I'm um, glad you shared that. And uh, definitely means a lot to me that. Um, you know, even with the things that, you know, you've been through, um, the successes and different things that you've, you know, had a chance to experience, you know, to, 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 to give that glory to the Lord. And, um, it's amazing to hear. Yeah. So appreciate you sharing hey, that. I got a
1: question and for you, uh, All right. Go ahead. did you graduate <laughs> from Miami of Ohio?
0: I graduated in 2002 from undergrad and then I stayed for grad school. So 2004 is when I actually okay. left.
1: So, uh, you were on the team for four years?
0: I was actually on the team for one year. I ended up being on one year. I was a walk-on, and uh, but it happened to be a, a really great year with Charlie Coles, Coach Charlie Coles, and uh, Wally Zerbiak, and, and several other great yeah. players. Yeah, no, I've uh, seen
1: that team. I mean, I was a, Church, Coach Coles, God bless his soul, was a heck of a coach. And, you know, I bring that up because you are either don't recall – Or you're classy, and I'd like to give you the class, the the class category, for not bringing up the fact that Miami of Ohio beat my Notre Dame team in Oxford. (laughs) So either you didn't realize that, or forgot, or you're just a lot of class. So I'll I'll put you in the classy category.
0: (laughs) I did. I didn't want to take any uh you know put any any focus on anything else. Away
1: from me. That's right.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I definitely respect Notre Dame too. Actually one of my, my mentors, uh, Joseph Price, he played yeah. at Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, so I, I talked to him pretty much every day and, uh, several other people I know. And with me coaching women's basketball, you know, the last couple years, um, you know, I know the, some of the women's coaches or whatnot, one of the women's assistants actually coached at Miami, Ohio. I had an opportunity, um, as a D2 head coach to go back and play a game against my alma mater, but it was on the women's side, but it was amazing, you know? And so the, the, the college basketball, you know, the connections, it's it's a a small world, you know? And so, but I definitely respect, you know, Notre Dame and and one of our great universities in the land. And so, but yeah, you know, I just, I wanted to make the focus about your book and everything and, you know, (laughs) you know, no, no credit here this way, but Miami was a great place to be. And I was, a, you know, just honored to be a part of, um, you know, one of the greatest teams to come through there. And, of course, one of the greatest coaches I've known. Yeah. You know, so thanks for bringing yeah, it yeah, up. Though.
1: No, 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 <laughs> no. It, 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 it was uh, – yeah, Charlie was a good coach and a good man. So, okay. Hey, thank you so much, yes. Lewis.
0: Hey, Thanks. Thanks so much, Coach, for for letting me interview you. It was amazing to have you, and I'm excited about your the release of your, your new project, Thank Rebound. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed this, and um, as we uh, leave this podcast, I definitely want to give a shout-out to uh, David, Robert State Farm, um, David Roberts State Farm, David Roberts State Farm, um, if any auto, home, um, any insurance um, type needs that you have, um, they will provide it for you. Um, they will take good care of you. Um, you can contact them at agentdavidroberts.com, agentdavidroberts.com, or give them a call, 419 420 7700. And for my partners, Dr. Dish, um, you can reach out to them on social media, drdishbasketball.com or on social media, drdishbball. And like I mentioned before, you know, if you are in the market of a brand new shooting machine, um, you can join the likes of Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Florida, countless other excellent and amazing programs. Um, join the ranks of them. Um, improve your shooting percentage of your players and your team as a whole. Um, this machine, Dr. Dish machines will definitely help you and. and For um, especially for this holiday season, Um, you can save an extra $300 on the Dr. Dish Machines, the Rebel, the All Star model, or the CT model. When you just mention the Interview You podcast, mention the Interview You podcast in your purchase, and you will receive an extra $300 off of the Rebel, the All Star or the CT models of the Dr. Dish shooting machine. So make sure you visit them for your shooting machine today. Well, hey guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.